Hi, I'm Ryan O'Hara, CEO and founder of Pitchfire. You're listening to Take Me Off Your List, presented by Pitchfire. They pay us the big bucks, and if you use them, they'll pay you the big bucks to get paid to get pitched. Take Me Off Your List is the rally cry of millions of B2B professionals out there. This podcast tackles all kinds of things around go-to-market. So whether you're in marketing, demand gen, sales, or just like the sound of my voice, you've come to the right place. Let's get started, shall we? Hi, everyone. Welcome to Take Me Off Your List. This is the first recording that we've done since New Year's. We did uh, a couple episodes before New Year's that have been published that I pretended were in the New Year and they weren't. I'm really excited. Uh, I have my old friend from the mean streets of New Hampshire slash Massachusetts, um, <laughs> VP of Enterprise Sales at Tech Target, Rich Stone. What's up, Rich? Hey, Ryan, what's going on? Yeah, the mean streets of Haverhill, Massachusetts, indeed. And I did yeah. go to school in New Hampshire, so I definitely claim both states, so I appreciate yeah, you that. Can do that. I, I actually, <laughs> people don't know this, I'm from Mass. I moved to New Hampshire when I was like 12 years old, but like... I did not know that. I thought yeah, you were a New Hampshire guy. I grew up um, outside, I grew up in a small city called Phillipston. Like, it's over like near Athol and Gardner. So like, it's in like Central Mass. Oh, Central Mass, yeah. I have yeah, a buddy from yeah. Gardner. It's What's actually pretty out there. Yeah, yeah, it's oh, pretty it's, out there. Yeah, and the cool part though is like there's nothing like all the stuff you get in mass, like traffic and like you know crazy all that stuff. It's it's a couple hours away, so like you kind of are in the middle of nowhere. Well, that's the thing too. Where I grew up in Haverhill, not a nice town. I think it's getting nicer now, maybe a yeah, little it's bit. It's gotten but, a lot nicer, yeah. But it was close enough to New Hampshire, so we could do, we could shop in New Hampshire, which I grew up my whole life doing that, which in hindsight, I'm like, oh, I really wish I could have that now in California if I could drive to Oregon to go shopping, but it's too far. <laughs> just, just just so the people know listening, because we're probably not going to do too much on video today. It'll be more audio that people listen to. Um, yep. Rich is crying throughout the podcast. That's what that sniffling <laughs> is. It's tears. He's really upset. <laughs> tears, of, tears of joy. Tears of joy that I got to I just speak with you again on a podcast. Yeah, we were talking before. <laughs> um, so I'll tell you guys what prompted this. Not only did, have I, I've done a bunch of stuff with Rich over the years when I was at Lead IQ and he was at Tech Target. Dude, you've been at Tech Target for 15 years. I know. That's like, I was a wee little, I was eating apple slices and drinking from sippy cups when you started there. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was 21 when I started. So it it's kind of, it's unique in the industry, but it's pretty typical at Tech Target. Like my boss has been there for, you know, 18 years. My boss's boss has been there for 20 years. Like it's just kind of a, I know it's weird in the industry, but at Tech Target, it's not weird. But Yeah, well, the yeah. amazing part is like, uh, just one of the things that's amazing is like, dude, you literally climbed up there. Like you're like, you like had a Scarface montage minus the cocaine. <laughs> To get there which is like incredible um that's like, another typical thing too we we like we promote from within we we rarely make external hires um rarely i mean some a little bit but it's not like we hire new people to run something like we typically promote somebody which is which is i think it's cool especially for a young person who's coming up yeah that's amazing it gives you a path if you're looking for someone uh, if you're looking for a job and you're trying to get in the industry and climb up just at one place that's really great um so yeah. I, I i'll tell you what we're going to talk about today it's kind of interesting rich has been talking a lot about uh some stuff online with twitter and linkedin about cookies are actually kind of going away and there's they're being phased out either through technology or trends or privacy concerns with companies and all this stuff and uh, I kind of want to dissect it and talk about like what the future of marketing looks like from that perspective, uh, especially with like intent data, um, 
pairing up buyers and sellers, all that stuff. Um, let's start with the cookie stuff. What information is is the squad at Tech Target telling you guys as like a you know a leader in the sales team there? Like, what information are you guys getting about like what's happening with cookies? Yeah, so this has been in the news a lot recently because it's more real, real and imminent. Yeah. But I mean, this is something that's been making its way around the internet for a number of years. If you remember back in 2020, so four years ago now, which is crazy to think about, um, Mozilla, Firefox, they did away with it. Um, one of the other browsers there, um, what was the other one? Uh, Opera edge. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. A lot of, a lot of like Safari, yeah. So they did away with it. So I think that kind of was newsworthy, but they only collectively, they only made up about a third of the internet traffic. Whereas Google Chrome still was not touching that. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. now why it's, why it's becoming newsworthy again is because Google Chrome is doing away with it and they're actually putting it into motion starting on Thursday of last week they rolled out it uh, I think it's the 1% of users and so this year it's going to be 100% of Chrome users so essentially that other two-thirds of the internet third-party cookies is is going away um, and that is massive both from a consumer perspective Right, because I think anyone who's on the internet, which is everybody, has that user experience where every site you go on now, it's like asking you about cookies, which is a newer thing. But cookies has been a thing since the internet started, and essentially, just to give you like a high level from a sales guy's like layman's perspective, I was going to ask you to do this. So it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah so cookies, right? Essentially, it's an ano anonymous visitor ID. What does that mean? So you don't actually, as a user, have to give consent for someone to track your cookies. And by consent, meaning like, say you go to a website and you have to register or opt in, that's consent. Cookies doesn't rely on that. So essentially, they can track anyone and everyone anonymously on the internet. So what does that mean? They track everything that you do. Every website you go to, um, things you're searching, different things you're looking to purchase. And if you're running a company that sells things, that's obviously very interesting. And as a consumer on the internet, you, you've obviously all experienced ad retargeting, meaning you go to a website, you're looking at golf clubs, <laughs> right? And then you you kind of notice that, hey, there's a lot of golf ads following me around. Yeah. And you're like, I didn't tell anyone I was looking for golf clubs. I didn't fill out a form. I didn't register for anything. How is that happening? So that's essentially the end user cookie experience. So the impact of that going away is twofold. One is consumers. That's going to be less of a thing. Uh, people, you know, their privacy is not infringed upon as much. They feel like they can be more stealth mode on the internet. We don't know. The internet doesn't know everything that you're doing at any point in time. And then two, the impact for digital advertisers. So meaning people who sell things on the internet <laughs> are going to not be able to target people based off of that anonymous cookie information, which 
that's the biggest impact that we're talking about at Tech Target. And uh, we can talk more about that, if, if, why, yeah. why that's important and how it, who it impacts and what types of digital advertising companies. But we can talk about that. You're, you're a poet, the way you just described what cookies are and how it works for everybody. Um, so there's lots of different ways, obviously, that companies do paid advertising. You can do stuff based on, I mean, they, they did some stuff like, I'll give you another example of something that happened. I remember in the early 2010s, you could advertise on Facebook using their open graph. And you could see like, you could target people based on pages that they've liked, um, people they interacted with. And what happened was Facebook actually had to close off that graph after all the Cambridge Analytica stuff happened. Um, because like people would like, for people that didn't follow this story, maybe you're younger or you, or you just didn't know about this. Like they literally like, like foreign companies would, or foreign countries would like run ads at opposing groups to make us feel like we we're apart from each other. So like, if you cared, for example, about like a Black Lives Matter cause and they saw that you liked a police page, like Russian spy people would run ads at people that cared about police with Black Lives Matter ads yeah, yeah. and then flip it the other way uh, if for the opposite, just to make us all like war and not get along with each other and stuff internally. And yeah. they're like, they, you know, they did this divisiveness and Facebook got a lot of heat for it. Um, so like, Cookies have actually been an important part for social stuff too. Another part that's really popular is retargeting. Um, so like if I visit a website uh, like Pitchfire, for example, pitchfire.com, we put a cookie on your computer and then we follow you around the internet so that you keep seeing Pitchfire. That's a pretty usable way to get someone to come in because sometimes it can take 10 to 15 touches for someone to be like, oh crap, I need to go back here and actually make an account. Um, is that stuff going to be impacted with retargeting? Do you know that, Rich? Or like how's that going to yeah. work? It absolutely is. Retargeting will be impacted. Any advertising trade desk will be impacted. Programmatic advertising will be impacted. So there's a, a big part of the digital advertising industry that relies on that. And advertisers like it because it's it's inexpensive. Yeah. Um, because you can buy lots of volume of impressions for cheaper CPM, so like cost per thousand impression, which is like an acronym we use in the advertising space. It's like how expensive it is to, to run a display advert, like a banner advertisement. So a lot of, and we're in B2B tech at, at my company, so a lot of our customers spend a lot of money on cheaper, broad-based, programmatic advertising, which relies on cookie data. That, that essentially is going to go away in... That is that is huge. Um, retargeting is going to change. Now it's going to rely on both of these things. Now we're going to have to rely on folks who have offered up their information, which essentially is, we call it first party data, which in layman's terms means that someone actually registered for something with you. So you you mentioned Pitchfire earlier, yeah. and you could retarget on Pitchfire. So now you're going to have to get some type of opt-in or short form regged in order to do that. So outside of just cookie data, you're going to have to get some type of data about that individual person that they uh, are okay with, right? And then then from there, you're going to be able to target them. And so that impact is going to be massive across the digital advertising space. I mean, it's a $600 billion industry, right? So there's going to be a lot of changes <laughs> what, coming what's up. The, 
what's the rule going to be for like permission for that stuff? So like, if I like wanted to do retargeting and do some sort of short reg, is it email? Is it just filling out a form or do you have to do something else? Yeah, that is a great question. So I don't know exactly what the mandate is going to be, but my assumption is that you can probably get away with like a short form reg email name, check a box that says I'm okay with you pitch fire using my information to target me. Right. Yeah. I, that's where my assumption would be. Um, but yeah, I think the opt-in piece is going to be huge or like the form could probably say, Hey, by filling out this form, you opt in to be advertised to by pitch fire. Right. And you're going to have to probably be explicit there. Um, that would be my assumption, but I mean, in the, digital space i mean this is this has been something that has been a moving target and it's been evolving over the years and it's something at the, comp at the company i work for tech target has been paramount for us since day one um yeah you guys have is... been ahead of it a little bit so uh let's talk a little bit about that because that's i think some of where the future is going with this there's a lot of stuff with like having it's almost like a two-sided marketplace like i'm trying to do with Pitchfire, but like with what how tech targets doing it with basically channels versus the people you're trying to get in front of can you talk a little bit about how that works yeah so back to the opt-in piece and registration data tech targets business is built on end users coming to our websites that we publish and the value exchange for us with those end users is opt-in registration. And it's been that way since day one when we launched back way back in 1999. So our content is free to access. You just have to register for it and opt in. And so I think when we started doing that, I don't know, uh, we just had the foresight or better lucky than good, but we've been capturing <laughs> that type of opt-in compliant data for 20, almost 25 years now. Um, so that's going to become more and more valuable because that opt-in and registration piece and what we call first party data, meaning someone has directly opted in to be tracked by you firsthand. Um, that's going to be the industry standard. So you're going to have to have some access to first party data. So contextual advertising is going to be paramount, meaning advertising directly with a site that you own, like, pitchfire.com, for example, you own that site. So being able to target folks who have opted into you, uh, and this could be for retargeting too. So if they've opted into pitchfire.com, then you can retarget them on programmatic, meaning, but it's first party programmatic. It's not third party programmatic. So you're not doing it on cookies. You're doing it based off of them opting into you. So that's essentially how tech target has operated our business since day one. And it's been, it's been, um, interesting over the years because we've typically been competing against these third-party more cookie-based advertisers that is way more um inexpensive right way to do it but it's also it's not as legit because it's not contextually based and it's not opted in it's not compliant and that's kind of what we've said over the years but now because that's going away it's going to be a different story which is going to be interesting so if you're if you're someone listening to this and you work in marketing or demand gen or you know you do something along those lines what we're basically telling you is you better start getting to the point where you're making first party content <laughs> that that gives someone yeah. a, a swap basically for giving you access to advertise to them. Yeah, you you need to have access to first party data or second party data. 
So meaning you're either buying it from someone who has a first party data source directly, or you're creating that yourself, right? Um, so that's going to be mandatory, meaning you're not going to be able to just buy it based off of broad-based internet cookie data uh, because that's going away this year, which is great for us, but a lot of people in the digital advertising space are upset about it. I mean, I was reading some articles this morning, like, you know, VP of product at Trade Desk is, you know, saying this is privacy sandbox likely has a very few winners outside of Google, if there are any at all, you know, the, those who are going to, and that's what the quote was. And he said, basically, he wrote that Google's elimination of cookies would reduce the overall value of the digital advertising industry. And that's true for anyone who leverages cookies or, and third-party data, but any, any publisher, any creator yeah. of content on the internet will be fine. Um, it's those who scrape the web and suck value out of other, other creators candidly that are going to be in trouble. For me, I'm a fan of it personally, because it's going to reward people who create valuable content, um, whether that be a publisher, an individual creator, uh, a vendor, right? Yeah. So yeah. vendors is publishers. You're creating good blog content, good podcast content like you're doing. Like that's first party data. You're going to get first party data from creating that valuable content. So it's going to reward those people and it's going to, it's going to, penalize those blood-sucking vampires who are scraping the internet for other yeah. creators of quality content and it's going to do away with that which i'm a huge fan of i've caught people i've caught people to put it in perspective i've caught people emailing me saying hey i saw that you liked ryan o'hara's linkedin post about this <laughs> and they like are like trying to prospect me or or yeah. use my data to advertise to me about like me <laughs> and i'm like dude that's don't. me. Like, you're you, like you just don't do that. You had one job and you're prospecting the person you just scraped off of. <laughs> oh man. When automation goes wrong. Right. But yeah, a lot of that's going to go away. I think it's going to be a great thing for the industry. Um, I'm a huge fan of it. It's something we've been talking about at tech target for years, but to see in writing that it's going to, it's already been put into practice as of last Thursday. And by the end of the year, a hundred percent of cookies will be diminished by chrome so and again chrome owns 60 percent of the internet so that's gonna I know, be i don't yeah not to get you in trouble rich a little bit but do you think that there's a chance that like google's doing this to kind of monopolize the the advertising stuff a little bit more um if i know google i'd say yeah um <laughs> it's quite isn't it a coincidence the same the same week or same month that they're doing this if people didn't listen to the other episode that i did uh, with matthew roberts um literally in the same 60 days they're announcing that they're doing this and they're also going to be implementing something where if you do outbound prospecting uh and you send more than your organization sends more than 5,000 emails a day from a google domain that they will blacklist you or if you get a 0.3 percent spam complaint rate they'll block you from doing outbound emails for 24 hours and then they'll do that every day basically if you hit that cap start thinking about this Google's kind of trying to control a lot of the B, like a lot of the B2B pipeline generation stuff, uh, either through publishing or through through canceling out outbound prospecting. And they and they have that capability because they own the internet. And for us, like as a publisher, one thing we care a lot about is ranking high organically with Google. Yeah. Because essentially that's how folks are finding us that don't know us. 
So, I mean, Google has a lot of power here and they have had a lot of power here. So, and yeah, I'm sure you've heard being in this industry of people getting blacklisted from, you know, Gmail for that very thing. So that's going to happen more and more. We hear about that a lot. So you got to figure out how to build pipeline. You got to build your own first party data. If you need, if you want to be smart and continue to grow, you should do first and second party data. Um, are you guys owners of everything that you publish or do you guys work and partner with other companies that publish stuff for you? Yeah, the former. So we have a thousand people on our payroll who create content, um, editors, expert contributors, and analysts. So that's our large, largest expenditure as a company is head count, smart people writing content that um, tech and line of business buyers care about. So it's all, content that our team is creating or our contributors are creating. Um, so yeah, and that's huge. And we've been called the walled garden over the years because of that. But I think that that's kind of a term of endearment now being a walled garden because it is, it is our garden, right? And there's a lot of valuable vegetables in that garden now that you maybe can't buy at the supermarket, you know, anymore. <laughs> yeah. What do you do with intent data? Like, what are some ways that people are using intent data at Tech Target? Yeah, so it, it goes back to what we were talking about with the digital advertising. The importance of having that first party data, people who are registering and opting in, right? So rather than tracking someone's intent data anonymously on the internet, you're tracking it within a finite audience of content that you know the content, you know where it's coming from, you know the nature of that content. So that's where we come from on our side is that tracking intent data of known sources and known content, and you're knowing exactly where that data is coming from is much more valuable. Yeah. Whereas tracking intent data on the World Wide Web from third-party sources that aren't known, that's not as valuable in it's as simple as things like you talk about the the storage space. So enterprise storage technology, right? If you type in storage on the internet, you're going to get a lot of different results. A lot of them are not enterprise B2B technology storage. You know, it might be uh, physical public storage, right? If you're, if you're moving and you, you need to store some couches and desks, it might be, um, you know, storage on your USB for your laptop if you're a college student and you have to write a, a paper and go to the library and print it out or whatever it may be. So having that granular content that is hyper-specific to what you care about as a marketer at a company, yeah. that is going to become more and more valuable because those false positives create a lot of churn and productivity and conversion because if you're having your sales team chase things that yeah. aren't relevant to you because it's intent data from third-party data sources that sdr is going to be upset because their conversion rate's not high they're going to get a lot of unsubscribes people telling them to go pound sand whatever they're going to be like hey marketing sucks they're not giving me any good leads right because they're relying on you know questionable intent data sources that are coming from third-party data same with back to the cookies thing it's the same type of dynamic it's just as it pertains to demand gen and intent data versus digital advertising and cookie data it's it's the same same exact thing you could break down a whole system by the way for people listening like i you know coming a little bit from the data space too i've like met with different companies and learned about this 
there's so many ways that they could be like, yeah, that's intent. And you're, you're kind of like, is it? So like, like I'll give you a couple examples of things, right? Um, there have been companies out there that do social signals. They'll go see if someone's ever liked another company's post before. And then they say, hmm, if that person liked that post from that company, they must use that company. I'm going to now advertise that person based on that social activity that they did. Um, another one could be like, um, you might have, maybe you were looking for marketing analytics software. You installed and did a trial of something, have the headers in your website. A bot crawler will go crawl your code, see that, and then be like, oh, this person's in the market for uh, analytics software because they have this in their header and they didn't have it in their header last week. When the truth is maybe you were just trying something out out of curiosity. Like it's, it's completely different versus first person. Yeah, that's the thing with intent data. Each individual point in time engagement is incomplete, right? You have to look at the full vivid picture of all the different signals, right? At the individual level, so Ryan, but also at the company level. So Ryan, John, yeah, James, Jimmy, Susan, whatever, all at signal fire, what they're all doing collectively and then grouping all of those signals together to make something more meaningful. And so you you really want to have as, as complete of a picture as you can across that full buying team to have it be meaningful and impactful for you as a marketer. So uh, if if you're trying to do it, how do you guys execute it on the sales team with intent data? Like what's the best way to like deploy it when you have the information? Yeah, so the most typical way nowadays is ABM or ABX. So basically looking at things from a named account perspective. And so providing, again, the full data of that buying team and everything they're, do they're doing. Everything that they're doing with first-party data websites that you have, so signalfire.com, for example. Uh, Second-party data sources, so sources that Signalfire subscribes to that are first-party. So that's second-party data to Signalfire. Combining all of those things to have kind of a vivid picture that's going to be a moving target and looking at the most recent and relevant intent and then taking action based off of that in real time. So that's like the, the quick follow-up from sales or from an outbound marketing nurture perspective. So taking the most meaningful activities that are the most recent and relevant, getting that into your outbound workflows, whether that be from an SDR doing an outbound cadence, right? Prospecting, whatever it may be, or getting that to your marketing nurture cadence and just personalizing your outreach based off of those intent data signals, right? In essentially in real time. That's that's the folks who do it most effectively and the folks who win and have higher conversion, less unsubscribes, you know, they're less in the news, they're getting, you know, they're not getting blacklisted by Google, you know, all that good stuff we talked about. Yeah, you're actually less likely to get a, a, scam, uh, a spam complaint on an email, which will get you into that blacklist with Google. If the thing that you're saying to the person is actually kind of relevant, like, Hey, I noticed you're poking around and looking at this thing. Um, yeah. It's the, the, the way I look at it, it's kind of an old school analogy, but imagine you're on the train and you're commuting uh, and someone leaves behind an RFP and it has all the vivid details of that RFP who, you know, the key pain points, um, the vendors are considering the things they're looking to solve and you're a sales rep and you're like, Oh my God, this is my account. Now you're not going to call 
that person and say, Hey, I found your RFP and here's all the things that you're looking for. And we have these things, Yeah. right? You're going to call them armed with the knowledge of what they're doing because people don't like big brother, right? They don't yeah. want you to know everything they're doing on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> One approach I always take is, Hey, I was talking to a partner that you work with. I was talking to a reseller that you work with. I was talking to a vendor that you've done business with. I was talking to my colleague who you've worked with and we were, we were strategizing over your account because you're a named account for me. And here are some things that we talked about that I think might be meaningful for you. And then from there, you can draw what you've learned from finding that RFP on the seat next to you yeah. or from that intent data you've gathered. And you just have a more informed approach and right. And you're going to be more successful. So I think that's the approach that wins typically versus saying, Hey, I uh, noticed you were on this website doing X, Y, and Z. And here's what we think, right? That comes off as creepy. And that's where you're going to get people to say, Hey man, where'd you get my information from? So you gotta, you gotta be thoughtful there and just have a, you know, have a smart approach when you're doing it. Yeah. You got to pair, pair it up, be human. And, and yeah, it's, yes. I love the, the RFP thing's really great. You wouldn't be like, I found your RFP on the subway. I, I was. Okay. Like you're a creep, you know, yeah, up, I was right? going That's to downtown crossing in Boston from, from, <laughs> yeah, yeah. from, from uh, Wellington. And I noticed this, holy crap. Well, yeah, you don't want to yeah. do that. Like instead, like, I think it's a better, it's almost like the things that you bring up when you're describing your product or service coincidentally line up with what their pains are and that's a better Ex way to do exactly it. Ex yeah. you're absolutely right so just be a human be thoughtful right you know don't be creepy don't be a big brother people know that you're tracking what they're doing but as we've seen from all the people who are excited about the cookies going away people don't like to have folks tracking what they're doing on the internet they just don't like it speaking of which if you're listening to this podcast I'm going to put, send you to a link on this podcast and have you subscribe to get, get tracked by me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Rich, where do you, where do you want people to go? If they want to, if they want to go check out you or tech target, like what's, what's the secret place you want them to go on LinkedIn, Twitter, like what's your plug? Yeah, I'm, I'm active on LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, I'm not posting anything annoying. I'm trying to be thoughtful, helpful industry type stuff like this. So um, Rich Stone, on LinkedIn uh, at rstone57 on Twitter. You can also check us out at techtarget.com. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, Rich always has a ton of nuggets that you can go follow and stuff. I literally prompted this podcast because he was talking <laughs> about the cookie stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I don't know enough about that and I need to learn more. Um, that's true. You you DM me and I replied to you like within five minutes. So that's that's nice. a true that's a true that's a true story. <laughs> very nice, very nice. No, that's well. I I honestly like there's some stuff that I didn't understand what was happening. So that's great. So for big people listening to this and you're trying to figure some stuff out, Chrome is going to stop the capability of third party cookies being installed on your customers' computers or your buyers' computers or devices or whatever they're using. Make a plan. Talk to Rich if you need to if you want to get in touch and figure out the stuff. On my end. Uh, I want to plug two things really exciting. We just came out with a plugin for Outlook. So if you're someone that gets prospected and gets cold emails from Outlook, you can install Pitchfire for Outlook and send people to your Pitchfire link in one click with our plugin. Go over there. You can sign up on pitchfire.com and uh, just make your account with Microsoft and we'll automatically send you some stuff that can make it easy for you to install the plugin. Uh, Rich, thank you so much for being on. I appreciate it. Thank you.